You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce and regional leaders like Enterprise Bank, helping people and businesses create success. Why should your business be a member of the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce? It's actually quite simple. The Chamber is dedicated to protecting and promoting the local business community. Our primary goals? To advance the region, help business owners network and grow, and to advocate on behalf of the business community. Joining the Chamber makes good business sense. We invite you to join the nationally recognized North Central Massachusetts Chamber today. Call 978-353-7600 or visit northcentralmass.com. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon and Kat Deal as we continue our On the Road series with the North Central Mass Chamber of Commerce. We are in downtown Leominster at Franklin Professional Associates at 12 Main Street up on the second floor. And Kat, who is our guest today? Well, in continuing with the theme for March, which is International Women's Month, we are here with Melissa Glenny, the president and CEO of Franklin Professional Associates. Thank you so much for being with us, Melissa. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I have to say, it's great being on the second floor. I've not been in this building, but you have some really beautiful views from your your second floor here of Main Street downtown. We do. We do. And we hear a lot from the downtown while we're here during the day. So I bet. It's nice. It's hustling and bustling. Exactly. Yeah. It's the sounds of business. That's, that's the nice thing. Yes. And for you, how important was it to have kind of a downtown presence? If people aren't familiar with the business landscape and downtown, downtown Leominster. Once you get a spot here, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to get kind of that that Main Street presence here because it's so much in demand. Mm, yeah. And and it was important to us to be as visible as we could downtown um, because we really are a local provider. And that's a, one of our you know kind of key value propositions is we we know this market very well and the unique nuances of it. So mm-hmm. for that purpose, you know, we wanted that branding. We're, we're deliberately on the second floor because we also didn't want every person walking in the front door. Sure. So, you know, because we're really uh, typically with our positions where we're seeking out very niche talent. So, sure. So it was a balancing act for us mm-hmm. to, you know, get that visibility, but not too much. Yeah, this, yeah, it's like a perfect location because it's a beautiful, when you walk in the building, you have the beautiful marble staircase and, you know, it's it's very elevated to be up here on the second floor today. <laughs> you talk about the niche kind of professionals mm. that you're going for. Can you tell us a little bit more about Franklin Professionals and what you do? Sure. So we're in both staffing and recruiting. Um, sometimes people don't not understand the distinction between those two. Um, on the staffing side, that's when uh, employers need to buffer workloads or um, what we see a lot of times is they're hiring on a temp to hire basis. So it's either temporary employees or temp, temp to hire. And then on the recruiting side, that's where it's essentially like headhunting is the term okay. that, that's used a lot there. And we've seen, um, you know, in the last two years, our business really flip from um, 50-50 to more of an 80-20 split where employers are hiring directly 80% of the time. Oh, So there's this, um, I think, more fervor for getting people in the door and making sure they've got a good hold on them. Yes. So we've uh, really seen that shift in the last couple of years. And for you, what's it been like navigating that shift? Mm. For us, it's easier because when we're, when we're dealing with who's on the market, who's willing to jump into a temp or temp to hire position, we're at the mercy of who's out in the market. Sure. So when we can headhunt, you know, the, the world is our oyster. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of logical sense for the employers to be adjusting the way they approach things in that regard. Do you think that eventually you're going to go back to sort of a 50-50 of more of the staffing issues? Because 
as you know, um, labor is harder and harder to get right now and people are struggling with that. But do you think it's going to go back to that swing or do you think it's going to maintain on this sort of 80-20 where you're at right now? I expect in times of recession, we see temp staffing tick up Mm -hmm. and direct hires go down. Mm -hmm. So if we continue with some economic struggles and concerns, I could see that that going back to a more of a 50-50 split for gotcha. sure, or or even, you know, more temporary. Sure, sure. And it's interesting because I just learned that you have a strong music background. I'd love for you to give a little talk about like what you were doing musically prior. That would be great to hear about. But then if you could also talk about what made you shift to want to start a staffing and recruiting business. Oh, sure. So yeah, my first steps were towards a piano. And once I, I, I hit the key the first time, I, I didn't stop no. for a few decades. <laughs> and so I was in college at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Um, and summer hit you know, my, after my freshman year, and I, I was looking for a job. And I found Olsen Staffing down in Monument Square in Leominster. I had no idea. I didn't have any concept of what a staffing agency was. But anyway, that was the beginning. I went in and I, I love being with recruiters. Like they're, it's just the, the energy when you get together in a room full of recruiters. And these these women were incredible and they helped me find my first job. So I temped for a couple of years while I was in college and loved it. And then it was just kind of a natural progression. They asked me if I would come internally and um, the rest was history. I decided to move away from music and move more towards business, um, probably because of some of the experiences I had in the the workforce temping. One of the great things about being able to do that is you get exposure to so many different industries and types of functions. So I encourage, you know, any any kids coming out of even high school or college just to, you know, jump on temp contracts and you kind of figure out what fits and what doesn't and where your interests lie. And so that was kind of how I got my start. So then I worked for about five years for the largest staffing company in the world at the time. Intentionally wanted to downshift because I was entrepreneurial and I thought I wanted to start my own business. And so I went to a boutique firm thinking it would be good experience to see how a small firm functions. Mm -hmm. Three weeks after I joined, they were bought by one of the 10 largest staffing companies in the world. So you were so, right back to <laughs> so large, back, big business. Back to the big business. Um, and so I attempted it again five years later. So I, in all, I spent about 10 years or so in the in the industry. And and then the, the time was right for me to strike. And I started Franklin Professionals about 11 years ago. Yeah. Well, congratulations. What a shift, though. And, and, and to be so open to temping and trying to find a job. What great advice for folks looking to figure out what they want to do, regardless of age, as you said, you can oh, be yeah. high school or beyond. And and to just figure out what you want to do, this is a very, uh, the last two years saw a lot of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and a lot of folks starting businesses. So the idea that you don't know what you want to do is okay at any time. And what a great idea though, to like just jump around a job, be a staffer. That's, 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 I love that. So obviously the yeah. recruiting and the staffing is, is really where your passion was mm-hmm. and you found that through the temping, but were there any other gigs that you did while you were temping that kind of stand out as, as some, somewhat of a memorable experience for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I had a chance to work as an admin for a wire and cable sales team. And I think that's where the bug bit. And I knew whatever I do, I want to somehow be involved in business development. It was just such a sexy thing to me. I'm like, Mm. you you know, I I would listen to their conversations and how they were finessing the conversation. And I'm like, wow, they, you know, and it it all was starting there, you know, and and then I would walk around the building and see the production and everything. And I was like, for me, it, it was just like, they're making things happen. And and I was attracted to that. So at that point, they did offer me an opportunity to stay with that company, but I was not quite sure I was 
going to continue with music or not. So I, I moved on from that. But I think I think someone had just had a plan in mind for me. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. But that's interesting to be able to um, have seen like the, the beginning of a, a manufacturing, it sounds mm -hmm. like, in a yeah. manufacturing field to the completion. Um, not many people have that experience. Mm -hmm. So again, what a great opportunity for someone to be able to, you know, see different things and to do different things. But it probably being able to be in different positions, all those different jobs probably gave you quite an insightful view of how to staff other people to be on the other side of that to say, oh, well, I actually think you would fit to do this. That must have given you some really great insights. Yeah, it was really interesting, um, you know, especially being so young, because I, I think I was 19 when I started doing that. So I was able to go into small companies, big companies, again, all different industries and see how things function so differently from a cultural standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, when you get into a job and you're there for years and years, you just kind of think, well, this is the way things are done and this is the way it works. But that's, I loved temping because you got to see how um, things worked in so many different, different ways, you know, different ways to skin a cat as they yeah. say. <laughs> Besides that, you know, as a temp, you're typically a hero because by mm -hmm. the time you show up, everybody's like dying on the vine they're buried in work. And then you walk in the door and they're like, Oh, you're an angel. <laughs> you know? So that was a nice aspect. And so for businesses that are dealing with these situations right now, where they're looking for somebody, whether or not it's a headhunting situation or attempt to hire, what's the process like when they first come to you with that need? And how do you assess that need and figure out the best approach to that? Mm, uh, great question. So I'm a big believer in the Pareto principle and um, the first 20% of what you do in a process is going to dictate the results of the remaining 80%. So we're very process-oriented in the way that we intake a customer or scope a job. Mm -hmm. You know, we will sit down and meet with the business owners or the managers um, and really understand, more importantly today than I think ever before, the attributes that are most critical for a role. We all got pretty fat and happy for a number of decades with the baby boomers and the workforce just being as big as it was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, the job descriptions grew, the requirements list grew. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for example, a college education or BS degree being required just because. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, at this point with the labor shortage we're dealing with, we really focus on the attributes that are necessary and then layer in only what's required for experience and no more. Mm -hmm. um, only what's required for knowledge of a particular platform. And if it's not required, you know, what can be learned and or trained? Because we don't want to have to sacrifice the ingredients of the individual mm. for having knowledge that could easily be attained. A lot of people do want to hire for the skills, not necessarily the person and what they're bringing to the table. That's just a nice different way to look at it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, is that part of a sh continuing shift you think we're going to see where before it was you know, very rigid mm -hmm. on you need to have a bachelor's or a master's or this or that. And are we going to start to see more substitutions where if you don't have that, if you've got years in the professional field, that will be looked at instead sort of thing? Oh, certainly. I mean, and of course there are categories where the degree is just absolutely an essential, mm -hmm. but right now 60% of the jobs that are open in the United States don't require a college education. And more and more I'm finding employers are much more lax on, mm -hmm. on candidates having a degree. And Workforce is something that everyone is struggling. Um, I don't know when it's going to stop struggling. What are some of the big factors that are causing the issues in our labor force right now? It's interesting to me when when this topic comes up in conversation that I, I, I think there's a common perception that COVID happened and toppled everything over and we just haven't recovered and no one wants to work anymore. 
I think there's a minute amount of truth in that. But moreover, if anyone can look at the birth rates and the death rates over the last three, four decades, we knew this wave was coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just didn't know that the wave was going to come in as a tsunami with a hurricane on top. And so (laughs) parsing out what's what and what's impacting what. um, So we're not in a situation that wasn't predicted already. Um, But I think that with the pandemic, with people staying home, I argue the idea that people don't want to work. It really wasn't an intrinsic motivation to not work, particularly if you go to 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. there, were, there were additional funds with the CARES Act. And so you can stay home, avoid this threat, and make more money than if you went to work. Yeah, That was just logical sense. And I've seen people for 23 years of doing this that don't want to work. There's, there, there are those out there, but they're a very small minority, and I haven't seen that number change. I think what we're what we're experiencing is just the the decline in the um, number of people in the workforce. Right. Baby boomers really um, retired in droves during the pandemic. If if they could retire, they just decided to go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. And we're still seeing you know the burn off of continuing uh, retirements from the baby boomers, and the replacement numbers just aren't there. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna live with this for a long time. Right now, we have sixty three job seekers for every one hundred jobs open. In Massachusetts, some New England states are at 50 job seekers for every 100 jobs. Wow. And you can compare that to about 10, 10 to 12 years ago, we had 600 employees, job seekers for every 100 jobs. So we really have to shift our mindset and just understand that this is the world we're living in now. So with that shift where it's almost like the employers are having to be the ones that compete now for these jobs and for these workers, apart from changing some of the requirements, the hiring requirements, what are other things they can do to become that competitive place where people want to work? That's excellent. I think that, um, first of all, we have to understand that people do want to work, but now more than ever, they want to work on their terms. So understanding individual drivers, and there are some generational components to that. So if you look at Gen Z and the millennial generation, growth path continues to be number one for them. Second to that is a company that will support them in their mental health. And then you start seeing things like wages. For the baby boomer generation, we're still seeing wages as their number one driver, Mm -hmm. followed by a company that will help them with their, their mental health. It's interesting to me that the mental health ranks so highly for all cohorts at this point. And I think that really comes down to culture, you know, creating a culture that's supportive and collaborative and, and just flexible with people. I think flexibility is something that keeps coming up for, for individuals that my team is talking to on a daily basis. And, and for some, literally we can get on an interview with a candidate we've been chasing and they're like, okay, yes, I'll talk. And in the first three minutes, they're like, well, if it's not remote or, or at least hybrid, then there's no point in even having this conversation. So, not everybody can do it. I understand there's a, there's restrictions for some, but just thinking outside the box, even if it's a case of, well, can I leave the office at X time to go get my kids off the bus and uh-huh. get back here? When you think about the, the scope of problems we deal with, these are very easily solved problems. Uh-huh. Like if you just have to think more collaboratively with employees, less of that hierarchical, this is the way we do things and you're going to fit into the way we do it. So has that changed the conversations that you're having as kind of that middle person and that kind of negotiator, I guess? I I find a lot of our clients are coming to this understanding pretty well now. Mm -hmm. Those who haven't been hiring regularly are are the ones that kind of need a little bit more education. And I think that the desperation level, you know, the pain has to get to a 
a certain point before they start to make changes. And I would say the pain has reached that point and we're seeing changes. I think that one thing that COVID did was it did teach a lot of businesses that don't necessarily have to have in person, like let's say not manufacturing and not food service, but offices and business can be done a different way now. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of companies have gotten on board with that and said, no, you don't have to be in the office every day. Yes, there is a culture that companies want to build, but they understand that there is a different way that we can do this. And yes, hybrid can work and being more flexible with time. I think people realize that they were living to work instead of working to live. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I noticed this because I, I was in this business through the recession in 2001 and then 2008, 9, 10. Um, and this is the third third time we've been through, I, I would say, a crisis. Or it wasn't a recession this time, but a crisis. And you see a lot of people shifting industries afterwards, changing the way that they work. Either they decide part-time or there's going to be one parent working instead of two or go venturing into entrepreneurialism. There's just a lot of reflection, and I think people reassess what's important to them. And mm-hmm. so um, we, we ha- as employers, we, we have to walk that path with them. We're going to step aside for a quick break, but we'll be right back right here on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. The business world is more competitive than ever, and running a business has never been more challenging. The North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce is here to help with trusted resources, a strong business network, and a support system to keep your business and North Central Massachusetts moving forward. We invite you to join the nationally recognized North Central Massachusetts Chamber today. Call 978-353-7600 or visit northcentralmass.com. Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Cat Deal, as we continue our On the Road series in downtown Lemonster at 12 Main Street, up on the second floor, chatting with Melissa Glennie, the president and CEO of Franklin Professionals Associates. I'm just curious because it was... It is the forgotten generation and you skipped over what Gen X is looking for <laughs> as a Gen Xer. Just want to say. Me too. I, me too. I, yeah. I, and I was surprised. You, I, up, I know Pat. you are. Like, like, We're yeah. just giving up. We're just not even going to be considered anymore. But I'm just curious. You mentioned Gen Z, millennials and boomers. What are the Gen X generation looking for in terms? Are we just like, we're just going to go to work and we're just putting our heads down? <laughs> we, we just merged into the baby boomer generation. We did. We didn't have, we didn't have the numbers to shake anything up. We said, all right. We're just going to do what we do it your way. Yeah. I mean, that's basically, I think, what happened. I think that's just very interesting. Like, we just carried the pandemic. I want to put it out there. <laughs> well, as a millennial, just don't blame me for it. We, we take enough flack as yeah. it is. You're all done. No worry about it. Um, I, I wanted to mention, um, because we're on our podcast, I know that you have your own podcast. Oh, yes. So the Catch Em and Keep Em podcast. Catch, I just want to say yeah. that is the greatest name for a a staffing company is catch them and keep them for a podcast. So creative, really good. Well, it's interesting. My husband's a correction officer and one of his really good friends is a police officer. So one night we were out, you know, having drinks and some something. And, you know, my husband just kind of nudged his, his buddy and said, Hey man, you catch them. I keep them. And I, I was like, Oh yeah, that's a good name. Catch them and keep them. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, that actually was born, um, during the, the COVID beginning of COVID, everything literally shut down. Everything was wiped off the table for us. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. (laughs) Um, so a dear friend of mine who owns, um, an executive coaching and training company, Mark Altman approached me and said, you know, Hey, neither one of us have anything going on right now. You want to start a podcast. So, so we did that and we had a really good time with it for about a year. Um, there's some great episodes on recruiting and retention there. 
And we've had to put a pause because things did kick off and we're, we've been extremely busy. And it's, um, as I learned, not, not easy to keep up podcasting and such. So thank you for what you're doing. <laughs> no, we appreciate it. And for you, what was it like though, to spend those episodes uh, really sharing your knowledge and your experiences as, as an entrepreneur to others that out, out there that want to listen? Mm. You, you know, there's nothing like teaching in, for learning, right? So I, I found that I, I felt like every time I walked away from one of those episodes, I had learned maybe more than some of the listeners. I don't know, just the, the insights that would come together. And I think having a, a great partner in the podcast is also really helpful, you know, when you can have those conversations that kind of build. So the, the sum of the two of us was much greater than us individually. But yeah, I think there's some really valuable things in there, particularly with culture and communications and creating uh, environments that really foster learning and, and um, people wanting to stay with the company and things like that. So we, we plan on bringing that back. For now, we're doing webinars this year. We're just doing four quarterly webinars. And it's kind of our, make sure we can make that happen. And then we'll see if 2024 is the, the time for reemerging the Catch em and Keep em. Well, I, I, I would highly suggest people go and listen to it. I did listen to the one on culture um, because when you mentioned that you had one, I was like, well, I'm a pod I love listening to podcasts. And so I went and listened. And I want to say that there's something to really be said about the culture of a company and how that comes out. And I remember back in, I want to say the, in the mid nineties, there was the idea of we're all in this together, kind of the Google mentality kind of came out and companies began to really realize that, you know, we have to be branded. We need to really foot, put forth who we are. And then it seemed like that kind of backed down a little bit and that we were more like back into the, you know, let's make America, you know, really manufacturing again and we're producing again. And I do feel like that shift has come back. Do you think that the idea of culture in a, in a company, that that how that plays a part, and do you think that it coming back was part of COVID? Hmm, that's interesting. You know, I was with AIS Affordable Interior Systems last week, and the, if you know, if anybody's not familiar with them, I think they're such an amazing example of culture, and particularly in in building a strong culture with um, within manufacturing, which manufacturing was was never. In my estimation, and I could be wrong, but I, you know, I did work in it and had exposure to it. It was difficult to get this kind of like raw, raw team mentality mm -hmm. uh, within manufacturing when you know folks were just kind of making widgets and whatever happened to the widgets after and their it's, shift schedules. It's and, that clock in, clock out, right. and yeah. then don't yeah. think about it till the next time you go in. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and I think that's where leaders, you know, we really have an opportunity to do so much more um, when you think about motivation and employee motivation. What motivates them to stay with you? Um, well, first of all, they have there's three components as far as I'm concerned. They have to know that they have the ability to do what you're asking them to do. So, yeah, fair enough. Second of all, they have to believe that what they're doing is going to make a difference. But the third piece that I think we often fall down on is is that difference is meaningful. So, well, I'll use an analogy, for example. If if I said, okay, cat, can you use a shovel? Yes. Can you dig a hole in the ground and create a pile of dirt next to it? Yes. Okay. How motivated are you to do that? Not motivated at all. Okay. What if I tell you, okay, then we're going to plant a tree in the hole. I'm more motivated. Yeah. I'm highly motivated. Now. Okay, great. Yeah. So that's the piece that we miss a lot, especially for the manufacturing folks, because we think, oh, they're just down there. They're doing their thing. Yeah. They don't need to know. 
That's so good. That's such a good analogy because every piece matters. Yeah. Every step matters. Yep. And when they're, when they're tied into it, 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 it means something, you know? Absolutely. I love that analogy. That's, you know, manufacturing is very strong in our region. We have a really strong history mm-hmm. of it. And to take something that has been such a legacy and to say, but there's a lot of importance to it. I think that that kind of culture is really important. And I love that you're promoting that. I love that. That's, that's a, you got to be a cheerleader for the third step. You need to be invested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it um, briefly, but um, I know that you, the new webinar series, mm-hmm. it is a lunch and learn. You are launching on March 30th. Yes. Is that right? So that's yes. that's just a few weeks away. Yes, yes. And um, so we um, the, the title of it is uh, Where Have the Workers Gone and What Can We Do? Yeah, so we're d- taking some deep dive, you know, beyond what we've talked about today. There, What I've discovered in researching for this webinar for about four months now is there are many more layers to the situation than I realized. And I think it's important to really understand them because if we're trying to solve this problem – it's critical that we're dealing with accurate assumptions about what the problem is. So we're, we're going to spend as much time as we can in about 45 minutes on that webinar, just peeling the onion for folks so they can understand why we are where we are. And then um, we have a, a host of, of proposals from our own toolbox and consulting with customers on what you can do to be able to have resiliency, you know, endure the situation find ways to adapt, and then finally, you know, ask the, the question, what, what's the opportunity for advantage here? Oh, so that's, that's where a, I want people to go to. I love that. That's, that's, that's amazing. And it's really important right now as mm-hmm. everyone is struggling with the same situation. And Melissa, we want to thank you for joining us today on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Now, if listeners want more information on the Lunch and Learn webinar series, the first one of the year coming up on March 30th, they're going to be held quarterly. Or if they want more information on just, um, you know, using you to help with their staffing solutions or to catch up on the podcast, where can they go for more information? Sure. So it's franklinprofessionals.com. The information for registering for the webinar will be right on the main page. um, And our contact information is all there. So franklinprofessionals.com. Melissa Glenny, president and CEO of Franklin Professional Associates, 12 Main Street on the second floor here in downtown Lemonster. Melissa, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.